Hey guys, we've got the CBS Brain Dead After Show for you right here on AfterBuzz TV. A great show it was. Stick with us. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Hey everybody, welcome to the CBS After Buzz television show for Brain Dead, a new political thriller with a ton of quirkiness. It's a good one, and we're excited to bring it to you here on AfterBuzz TV. I am your host, Kevin Ellis. You can find me on Instagram at KevinEllis25 or on Twitter at TheKevinEllis. This season, I am joined by the lovely Lucretia Lyon. Lucretia. Hey, guys, and as always, you can find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on social media since there is only one. And to remind you, if you are joining us live right now, you can find us on YouTube, join in the chat room, Hit up uh, a comments. You know, we'd love people to engage with us. So uh, if you're on watching live, hit us up. If you're not watching live, always know you can, you can find us on SoundCloud, uh, YouTube, iTunes. Everything. We're all there. <laughs> all right. So a very interesting initial episode. We call it the initial episode because there was no pilot for Brain Dead. It was a straight-to-series order, 13 episodes. So we're going to be here all season long with that. Um, what were your overall thoughts of just the pilot? Initial episode. What did I do? Yeah. I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I was very intrigued by the trailers of this because I'm like, is it going to be zombies? Is it going to be what? I mean, because we know that, I mean, it's obviously a political allegory about what's going on right now. And I mm-hmm. love the very, you know, now little news reports here kind of dipped into the fantasy. But yeah, like... I am literally not grossed out by anything except for <laughs> tracheotomies. Um, but now ants in the ears has become right. a thing. And I do Outcast and all these other gross shows, but that just bothered me. And I'm like, ooh, they it went there. threw me off. It yeah. was one of those things, especially when you see everything ooze out of Tony Shalhoub. Again, with, yeah. you know, we could just <laughs> talk about his brain. Yeah, it's just, it was yeah. so bizarre. And again, it was, it was, a, little, it was a little quirky yeah. at times. They implemented a lot of humor into this thriller sci-fi element. And it was very, uh, it was very different. And I liked it. CBS has been doing that a lot this, uh, these last couple of seasons. During the summer, they brought on uh, Under the Dome. Then they went yeah. with Extant. And now they've got this quirky political job. Jo- drama and it just works um so let's start out from the beginning of the episode uh we've got the meteor flying over russia all of a sudden Mm. we have the sci-fi element asteroid comes to earth uh what were your initial thoughts about where that was going to lead because it just kind of we know about the previews we know about the bugs but just kind of you know what did you think yeah that to me is just like I mean, I'm honestly wondering where David Duchovny is. And <laughs> and not because I'm a big X-Files fan and this was reminiscent of X-Files. It really seemed more like Evolution, his other mm. movie with aliens. So, yeah, I was like, is this an alien thing? I mean, I could believe that. But, yeah, asteroid comes to Earth. <laughs> Something that was uh, – that kind of came out of uh, nowhere it was just the fact that it was in Russia and then suddenly <laughs> the U.S. is kind of gaining control of this asteroid. I mm-hmm. thought that was a little random. I don't know about you. Yeah, to me, I'm just like, there's got to be more to that, mm-hmm. how they immediately came and got it, put it in the Smithsonian. I mean, I don't know how much time was in between. I don't think a lot. No. And, you know, since they didn't mention it, it's just like, did they know something was coming or? It know. was a little bizarre. Uh, for those of you in the chat room, feel free to offer your 
your thoughts on that. I was a little curious, like, why, why mm-hmm. don't the Russians have some kind of part <laughs> in this? But anyway, uh, so we're introduced pretty much right off the bat to our protagonist, Laurel Healy, uh, played by the lovely Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who you might have recognized from the most recent movie, 10 Cloverfield Lane. She's also in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. She's and a great passions, lady. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, I love my soap opera people. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we have a great protagonist, um, and we're endeared to her pretty much immediately. That was my initial thought. I, right away, where we, she comes down the staircase, all of a sudden you've got this political wannabe kind of approach her and want to kind of find out whether or not she is a member of the political elite, and she brushes them off right away. Exactly. Now, she's a documentary filmmaker. She's not into politics like the rest of her family. (laughs) I love that. And... You know, shallow thing. That dress with the flowers was adorable. Oh. I have to say, <laughs> she's, she's cute. She yeah. really is. She, you know, she brings a little bit of class to yeah. it too. I like that. Um, so yes, documentary filmmaker in Los Angeles, and she's got a lot of debt. Mm-hmm. So she has to pay off that debt, <laughs> and here comes Luke Healy, her brother, by the dashing Danny Pino. Um, so what did you think about Luke? They are, have a lot of chemistry between the two, just being brother and sister. I love it. Yeah, I love inappropriate sim- uh, sibling chemistry. You know, I can't even talk tonight. But, uh, like, you know, it's a soap opera staple and being that, you know, they're both pretty much. It was like, that's the, uh, at first I was like, are they brother and sister or are they boyfriend and girlfriend? Uh, <laughs> right away. It was, it was, it was, it was fun to see. Yeah. Um, so, so you've got a political dynasty almost in this mm-hmm. family. And you see that when her father approaches her about becoming a, a member of, his, of Luke's staff. Uh, what did you think of Zach Renee's character, her father, uh, coming on in trying to pressure her into becoming something more than a documentary filmmaker in his eyes? Well, that's very much political families. I mean, we know the Kennedys, the Bushes, I mean, even the Clintons to an extent. It's all about, you know, keeping it in the family and everybody being apart because that way they have more control. Because as we'll learn later in the episode, there's obviously not that much difference between Democrats and Republicans and how strongly they, like, say these, you know, political groups here. Yeah, there is no difference. That's why everybody just wants control for themselves. And I feel like that's the reason he's kind of pushing her in there so they can push their own agenda, just like any political family. So you felt it was pretty self-serving in that regard? Oh, yeah. Okay. And I was trying to figure out, okay, is this more so for he as a father wanting to see his child succeed in Laurel, or if he's actually more motivated about getting back into the game and kind of having a little bit of inside information being the only one that knows that he put Laurel up to this. Because that is the case. Oh, yeah. I think it's elements of both, definitely. It's wanting that control back and also just wanting her to be in the family business. (laughs) Yeah. And she's good at it, too. Yeah. (laughs) Which we'll get to. Um, But the meteor strikes... (laughs) Uh, We go back to Russia, and we see that there are, uh, well, let's go back just a little bit. We know that Senator Healy's uh, office has some kind of say in the retrieval of this meteor, and that's kind of key to the whole plot line of this episode and how the sci-fi element works its way into the Washington political drama. So we have the fact that Luke is the one calling the shots about the budgetary constraints of retrieving the meteor. And so he's on the phone. He tells him that you've got pretty much $5 million mm-hmm. to get this meteor out of the ice. And so they go on down. Some scuba divers just 
two Russian guys go on in, and they reach the meteor. Tell us what they saw. <laughs> a bunch of fish staring at them in a in a very obvious pattern, and that had to have been really freaky. Like, I've been yeah. scuba diving before, and yeah, you know, it's bad enough being at night, and it's a little scary anyway, but yeah, you've got all these fish, like, in a row, like, perfectly, you know, in between one another. It's a little freaky. It would scare the crap yeah. out of me. I mean, it's the last thing that I would expect is for a wall of fish, let alone any fish, uh, to be down there. But you have to you have to wonder what is causing this immediately. Uh, so it gives us a little hint about what is to come. So Laurel is now going to help out her brother. She's been convinced. She convinced her dad that she's only going to help out Luke for six months. And then she is going to kind of walk away from Washington. She wants to go back to her documentary film work. So she's going to get her loans paid off by her father. And she goes to uh, Luke's office and is assigned casework uh, as a CC, or constituent casework, where she goes on into the office and kind of goes on over uh, issues with constituents that have problems with uh, with his uh, senatorial office. What did you take from that? She seemed a little uh she seemed a little not confident in it at first. Well, yeah, because I mean, to be honest, I mean, I've never worked in a political office or anything like that, but I was just surprised that they would actually put that's usually like an intern job, I would right. think, you know, to hear people's complaints. I mean, cuz that can't be great. And so yeah, I thought it was a little odd that they gave it this fancy title and threw her in there and I'm just like do they know what's going I mean, it just seemed like there's some sort of ulterior motive for her to be talking to these people versus mm-hmm. just some no-level intern. Yeah. What was curious is the <laughs> fact that we know how much <laughs> Luke does mm-hmm. value her, and it was so bizarre to yeah. just have her thrown into constitu- uh, constituent casework, like you just said. It's yeah. more intern work. So I was a little confused because you would think that he would keep her a little bit closer right out of the gate, but that wasn't the case. Maybe he's got just a little bit of sibling rivalry, wants mm-hmm. to kind of throw her into the, into the dogs right away. But she is sitting with one of the constituents, and one of them has a little bit of information about what we see uh, earlier with the meteor in the cargo ship. What did you think about the odd, eerie video that she's shown? You know, it's very much like, you know, Blair Witches. We're so used to paranormal activity, these, like, real videos of stuff happening. So at first, like, you know, especially being, you know, someone new in their job, she's got to be like, okay, this is a joke. But then this woman's concerns are real. So then you're a little freaked out Mm -hmm. because, yeah, you're like, no, I believe this woman. Mm -hmm. Because she's obviously very concerned about her husband. And I love the line where... No, he's not drinking at all. He mm-hmm. used to drink a lot. Yeah. <laughs> which we'll see is a side effect. Yeah. Literally something yeah. wrong with the with the husband and the situation in general. Curious that she comes mm-hmm. right to the senator's office first, doesn't go to the authorities, doesn't go anywhere else. Convenient for yeah. us as viewers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and for Laurel, our protagonist. Um but you have to love that, how they worked its way in there. Um, again, a lot of humor played into this whole element. Right before that, we see the chocolate dog that <laughs> yes. was given as a gift to, uh, uh, to Luke. Hilarious. Just one of those weird elements. It plays its <laughs> role throughout where Luke is actually eating the chocolate dog. Yeah, just kind of throughout the episode. Steam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good little joke in there. Um, so, yeah, they played humor into it pretty yeah. well. And they got the, the older gentleman who complains about a rash. I mean, it yeah. goes on and on. 
Uh, the Kings do a fantastic job in this episode. Uh, again, The Good Wife, uh, the Robert and Michelle King, uh, created The Good Wife, ran for seven seasons. Now they're on Brain Dead, which they are show running. Uh, fantastic writing staff, and uh, we have a lot to look forward to this season from them. So we are introduced then by uh, or to Gareth Ritter, who is Red Wheatus's legislative aide, handsome gentleman, played by Aaron Tvet. Yes, and Kinsey Trevor in our chat says she loved Aaron Trevet in this. I loved him in Graceland as well, so yeah, it was good to see him. And Aaron yeah. also appeared on Grease Live this past <laughs> fall, uh, so he uh, he has a singing voice too. Mm. Well, so we'll see what happens if at any point in time he breaks out in a song. <laughs> Maybe to woo Laurel, who knows? prediction right now i don't know we've got a whole season i'd like to see that i know (laughs) i think it's possible um so so he introduces some legislation to prevent a government shutdown which is looming over washington at this moment in time so red weed is he's a republican he's played by tony shalhoub and we need to know whether or not he is going to be able to get luke healy on red's well Red wants to get on Luke's side in order to get a $48 million autism bill passed in the Senate, which is really a earmark for Aaron Tibet's character, who actually has a sister with autism. So a little bit of political gamesmanship that's being worked uh, amongst the lower-level aides in in Gareth and Laurel. Um, So at this point in time, what did you think about Aaron suddenly throwing in this task for Laurel to achieve because all of a sudden Laurel's thrown uh, thrown a huge huge task in trying to get Luke to come on over and create some kind of unity between the two political parties with 90 minutes to go before the government shuts down yeah, I just love how, like, you know, they've got this timeline, and I almost felt like 24 here, where she was <laughs> like, oh, God, I gotta find my brother, like, and it's like he's not answering his phone. That would be my first thing, especially when you find out that her dad had slept with his secretary and all mm. this. It's like, shouldn't you have checked with the secretary first? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. what, what does it say about then, Laurel's character yeah. that she actually goes to her father shortly yeah. after she cannot get a hold of her brother? Yeah, to me, it's just like she she knows that they've got their own thing going in the politics. So I think that she's like, well, he must know where he really is because, yeah, they're a little bit shady. I mean, they're politicians. Well, more than anything, yeah. I think it was, as I was alluding yeah. to earlier, one of those moments where suddenly mm-hmm. her father now can get mm-hmm. back into the game, which was very – it was it was fun to see that, uh, that daughter-father mm-hmm. relationship and for them to kind of uh, – uh, unite and get around this idea that you know, hey, I I need my brother, uh, dad, help me out. But it also shows a little bit of uncertainty about where she st- uh, where she stands right now uh, in the Washington political circle. She's just not used to this game. Yeah, that's the thing is she's very uh, blue here. She yeah. you know she's new. And you can tell, like, she doesn't know what to do other than call daddy. Yeah. You know, and that that's really an interesting thing because her character is so much about wanting to be away from this family. Mm-hmm. But who does she call when she needs something? Who yeah. she call? She calls dad. So as you alluded to, Scarlett, the secretary, yeah. makes an appearance in one of the more interesting yeah. ways uh, when she when Laurel finally <laughs> finds Danny Pino's character 
with Scarlet, who, mind you, Danny's character, Luke, is married and has an eight-month-old, well, eight-month pregnant wife. Wife, yeah. So, he's having an affair, which might just be, in this instance, a physical relationship blowing off steam to what Scarlet had alluded to. Um, Nonetheless, what do you think about Luke's character as just an individual in the political Washington elite? Well, to me, it's just like, you know, he's just a, a politician. I mean, what do you say? I mean, no one ever expects him to be good. Yeah. <laughs> typically, typically yeah. when you see any kind of adultery yeah. like this in any kind of show, you're yeah. kind of turned off by that character right yeah. away. And you're not so turned off by him in this instance. I think that his his character is still... Uh, he, he knows his wrongs. He knows what he's doing. And uh, Laurel kind of puts him in his place, yeah. slaps him up a little bit, what are you doing? You're getting a lot of sisterly advice. And that's kind of what's cool about this whole dynamic is that there is a familial uh, bond that takes place in, in an environment that is so inhuman and disconnected by bipartisanism. I mean, it's, it's, very, it's very bizarre. Um, so... We get to... So Laurel has more of a moral compass, Mm -hmm. and Luke is showing a little bit of political gamesmanship again when he shows that he is willing to shut down the government. Yeah, just to make the Republicans look bad, and like, uh, you know, as they say... Well, and I love how they just kept stressing it, like the media does now. The Republicans, the Republicans, the Democrats, you know. They just loop them all into one thing, and, you know, obviously that's what the show is about, is making them all brain dead to follow along here but what's interesting about the Luke character is yeah he it was expected for him to be kind of a scumbag but when he took his sister's advice you were like he's not that bad <laughs> and what's interesting is yeah. that the they incorporate an element of uh, of our current contemporary uh, political game that's going on right now in that Luke even denotes that the they want to decide who is going to become the next president, who is going to have the next Supreme Court pick. It's all determined on this whole government shutdown. They want leverage in this situation, and they're willing to put 100,000, uh, 200,000 people out of work just so that they could play their political their political volley. It's it's sad and it's depressing, but it's the world that they're in right now. It's very dysfunctional. And it's the world that we're in right now, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the saddest part is this is exactly something that could and has happened. <laughs> but the bugs then come. Yeah. And the bugs are now <laughs> one of those things that Possibly, they are going to be the means of unity and just some kind of odd, uh, odd way of kind of dumbing down everybody <laughs> to see sensibility. I don't know. Um, but we go on into the Smithsonian and the asteroid cracks. And what is your thought when that asteroid cracks? Yeah, it's just like ants come spilling out, almost like a scene from The Mummy. Like, yeah, you know, The yeah, Mummy, exactly. Yeah. That was exactly what I was thinking. It was a, a throwback to that. But it was it was disgusting. I, I was a little grossed yeah. out. I mean, nobody wants to see that creepy crawly uh, stuff pouring out, but what are you going to do? Um, yeah, and ants, you know, they're the only animal that takes slaves, so they're a little freaky. Like, I can deal with spiders, roaches, any of that all day long. Ants, freaky. Hey, well, yeah. ants are typically harmless, no. so you see this 
this somewhat harmful mm. uh, thing coming as we get to the shutdown and Laurel walks on into Luke's office only to find that everybody is being furloughed. And Laurel is a little incensed by the fact that she is one of two individuals to not be furloughed by her own brother. Mm-hmm. And you would think that Luke would have a little bit of sensibility and he would assume that his uh, sister could probably do any bit of her work outside of the office without having to be you know, paid for it or be around the Capitol. Because it, it was a little bizarre because Luke kind of, he stays in his office, doesn't have her stick around. She kind of goes off and does her own thing with consti- constituent work. Yeah, and what I love is everyone throwing shade at her because, yeah, this <laughs> new person who's hired who's his sister and they're all losing their jobs, she obviously does, I mean, while she's trying to pay off her own debt, she has family money. These people, now basically they're in politics, so logically they probably do have it, but there's a handful that maybe need this job. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I love that, you know, and she's like, yeah, you're like throwing me to the wolves. So, yeah, I think there is somewhat of a... His power play as far as the brother situation there of Mm -hmm. kind of making it look bad. And it also shows how she is not, she's a little detached Mm -hmm. from the whole political uh, environment in Washington and how she sees how it is morally corrupt and she doesn't want to be a part of it. And I think she's going to hopefully stay true um, to those values throughout this series. I think she's going to be one of the few people, if not the only people that we see, uh, show a very uh, human, uh, non-Washington behavior. And I think that's what draws us to her as viewers, is she is is endearing and is your every kind of girl. Yeah, I think that they'll have her and Gareth both represent the uh, lights of their differing parties like mm-hmm. you know that way because what i like about this show is it seems very balanced yeah you know which we obviously aren't in our political spectrum right now but as far as the way that they're portraying it on the show is they do have there's a good person on this side there's a good person on that side everyone else is a wackadoodle yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and <laughs> might be yeah. literally losing their minds yeah. as mm-hmm. we're coming to find out so she goes on her constituents um errands only to find the cargo ship in an odd disarray because the captain and the crew members are showing signs of being affected by these bugs as we figure out. Uh, and you might think by the cars, mm-hmm. there we go, yeah. was playing on the <laughs> ship. And it plays throughout. Whenever we get this sense mm-hmm. of the bugs playing their role or people being turned by them, that song right there plays. <laughs> and a great song it is, too. You might think I'm crazy. You yeah. might think I'm foolish. Um, so, I mean, when you were seeing this, did you initially think that the captain was part of this this uh, mind game that's now being played? Oh, yeah. I figured, I was like, there's no way that that one guy is the only one that's been affected. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure when they go to the ship, yeah. And it was just like I thought. And then, of course, that's how we get introduced is this song being significant and um, you see how the crew just all says the same thing. And what's interesting to me, especially when you use it as the political allegory this is, it's like, isn't that what, no matter what people believe, that group, they literally say the same thing without yeah. thinking about it. You know, they're just robots or, you know, zombies or they have ants in their brain. Yep. <laughs> the message yeah. is, the is cultivated and the mm-hmm. same. 
Yeah, no, that's very interesting assessment. Um, that's very true. So we're finally introduced to Red Wheatus, who Laurel then shows her political chops, and she uh, she ends up calling out Gareth in the hallway just to mm. get him to slow down. Because Gareth, who, uh, again, played by Aaron Tavay, thank you again for uh, for correcting my mm. pronunciation to Kenzie in our chat room. This is what you guys are here for. You're here mm. to get the mistakes. Keep us honest. <laughs> yeah, keep us honest. Um, we, we are not the political elite right here, so we need to be kept honest here. Um, so Laurel uh, calls out Gareth uh, in the hallway <laughs> in a fun <laughs> way, too. She's like, uh, what are you wearing to that pro-choice rally to yeah. a Republican? Uh, or I to a Democrat. That. Fantastic. <laughs> um, or to a Republican. Yeah, to a Republican. yeah he's a Republican. Republican. Yeah. What am I talking about? Pro-choice rally. Jesus. Um, so... They get him, or she gets him to meet outside of the Washington Monument, and she learns a little bit more about the ship, because Gareth, being the go-getter that he is, trying to uh, win Brianna's support on the Republican side, Brianna's the constituent who came to, to Laurel right away with the husband issue on the cargo ship, um, and he's got a little bit more information that he shares with her, and then we go to Brianna's house. And mm-hmm. Brianna's not in a good situation with her husband. What did you think about that scene? It was pretty. It was pretty gruesome in my in my respect. You cringed. Yeah, I was like, because <laughs> yeah, he's like holding her down in the bed, and to let the ants into her ear. I was like, mm, this, is, this is pretty dark right here. It this was. supposed to be a quirky comedy. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was one of those uh, one of those moments that. Um, it really creeped me out. It scared me a little because I'm just thinking about how deranged it is for any person. Because even even the husband said to Brianna uh, that you will be, before the bugs went in her, you will be yourself but only a part of yourself. <laughs> But clearly that's not the case. Clearly these bugs have a lot more power over the human brain than that simple comment. Because it's... it's it's almost you're becoming whatever this creature is. because And what is it, too? Because there are millions of these ants going around. It's one cohesive message, and we don't know their goal. We don't know what controls them. We just have this knowledge that they are infesting us as human beings, and that's bad. But from their point of view, just like any alien invasion, it's... it's for their greater good, not ours. Yeah, and that's exactly how it feels like to vote, I think. You know, mm. <laughs> you have no idea what they what their <laughs> idea is, who's controlling them. <laughs> and that that's why I love the show. It's like you can literally tie it back to everything in politics, especially now, because that's the thing is, again, you don't know what's happening or what they're changing your beliefs to. You just know that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most definitely. So, Laurel is afraid that Luke is not going to come to see the light. And she knows that she has to do something about it. And so she reaches out to her own father again. Again, reaches out to her father. Yeah. So at this point in time, and we're already, how far away? We're about halfway through. She's still not showing full uh, full autonomy over her own political career, if you will. She's still trying to figure it out. But that's okay. It's the first episode. I'm sure Laurel's going to figure things out. Um, But she gets her dad to call Luke himself to get him to meet with Red, 
within, <laughs> it just cuts mm-hmm. to the next scene. They're suddenly meeting with Red. It's hilarious. It's uh, just yeah, the perfect I love Red. cut. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Tony Shalhoub yeah. plays it brilliantly. I mean, yeah. initially you're thinking, okay, what is uh, what is he going to bring? And he just brings this this uh, drunken yeah. southerner with a little bit of drawl to him, and he's a fun character. Yeah, I love our first uh, scene with him is he's just laying on the couch in the political <laughs> office, drunk off his ass. Like, yep. yep. <laughs> and and one of the great moments of this episode is when he and Luke meet within that dining mm-hmm. room and have a couple of drinks, and yeah. Red explains to Luke that the political elite no longer meet. Mm. They no longer go out and drink. They no longer have a good time. And it's because of, what, what did he say? He said it was due to uh, election election rules and whatnot. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he wishes that there was less, uh, less oversight over what uh, lobbyists can mm. actually uh, go out and pay for. Because they used to drink. They used to go out and both sides of the party would unite. But that doesn't happen anymore. It's a very partisan government and Red is kind of done with it. And that's, he's kind of drinking away his life because he just doesn't care anymore. He knows he doesn't have that kind of uh, power. Yeah, that's what I love is this is a guy who's like, oh, I really don't care. He's not got either side. He's just like, let's do some stuff. Like, yeah. you know. Let's get it done. Yeah. I don't care what. Let's just do it. This is the red that yeah. we see now. Yeah. This isn't the red that we see a little bit later. Uh, yeah, I love the communist comment. Like, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we get to uh, the end of the second act. And Red is in his bedroom and passes out on his bed. <laughs> and the bugs appear. And again, we're good. We're introduced yeah. to another grossed out moment. Uh and half of his brain falls out. See, that didn't bother me as much as the ants going in. I was like, you know, and it was all, I hate to use this analogy, but that's what it looked like when it's squeezing out of his ear. You're just thinking about poop, you know? Yeah, it just kind of, it just kind of slides yeah. out. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. And he looks at it goofily, yeah. kind of yeah. like, oh, look at that. Okay, <laughs> he's pretty brain. drunk, but all of a sudden now he's kind of brain dead. Mm-hmm. And kind of pokes at it, and all of a sudden, pops, nothing. Half his brain is gone, <laughs> and he's left as is. So now Red Wheatus is no longer the Republican senator that he initially was, the drunk Republican senator. Mm-hmm. He is now a better version of himself, as Randall, Brianna's husband, said earlier, mm-hmm. under the control of the bugs. So you get to this eerie scene uh, where Laurel visits the Smithsonian. What did that scene kind of remind you of? Was there anything... Because it was a very eerie scene. It was almost like a horror movie, yeah. in my thought. Because she goes on in. All of a sudden, the uh, the security guard puts down the door. And she walks on in, only to find the crate where the meteor initially was. Open. Nothing's there. Goes on in to try and find the doctor. And Dr. Uh, Doty, she can't find him. But then she opens the door to see his body on the ground. And then suddenly we get to the ambulance. And we get another sci-fi moment, something we might see in maybe X-Files, yeah. <laughs> possibly. Yeah, we did have a ex- head explode this season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so the head explodes. Huh. And what was what was going through your mind? Because there was a lot of... There was a lot of commentary coming from the doctor beforehand. Mm-hmm. He was resisting these bugs. 
And that, I think, was the big message in that if you resist us, you will die. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, is it's clearly targeting, because both the uh, husband, Randall, and then um, the senator, Red, they were supposedly drinkers, probably more easygoing. They're accepting of this you know, new process, these bugs coming in, mm-hmm. changing their brain. But say this doctor, obviously you know, a free thinker among himself. He wouldn't be where he is. He's resisting it. So obviously they just kill him mm-hmm. um, from within. So I thought that was really interesting that they you know, noted. Well, it's like, okay, then your head's going to explode. Yeah, <laughs> they have this goal. And we don't know what this goal is yet. But whatever it is, it, I mean, it can't it can't be good for the free thinkers mm-hmm. of our society because that is who they have the most control of, mm-hmm. uh, because they can pretty much put those people to death. Yeah. So we have that to look forward to. <laughs> Resistance <laughs> is futile. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we get to the point where Red turns the tables. And bribes Senator Spitz, who we were introduced to earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. I think he's from Utah. I don't know. If uh, anybody in the chat room does know, not that it's crucial, but would be interesting. Just curious. <laughs> so he bribes Senator Spitz, who is a Democrat, to come on over to the other side of the aisle because he's got a war chest. He's got a spot in the Armed Services Committee and a lot of, a lot of leverage in order to switch sides in the Senate, mm. and he does it. And now all of a sudden, the Republicans look like the saviors of the budget crisis, and the Democrats are left in the dust. So mm. what was your thinking of how the political gamesmanship worked out at that point in time? I thought it was really interesting, and it really made sense to swing it uh, that way, you know, since they were really working hard to make them look bad. You're like, oh, we know that... Just like in the real world, right? They're gonna swing it the other way. That they, they only swing here or here, right? Over here. <laughs> uh, my thinking was that it it just shows how quickly mm-hmm. things can turn, especially just not mm-hmm. just in this uh, in this instance, but just in the show in general. Uh, we got a lot of odd turning points throughout the whole episode, and that was just one of them. To where you had a pretty a pretty set. Uh, political dynasty who Luke he's mm-hmm. the majority whip of the party they're sitting pretty over in the capital now they're kind of in the basement mm-hmm. and it's not looking so hot for them yeah and what I love is the media is always at the center of all these twists mm-hmm. and turns and just like how it is in the real world they like they change what they say and they're all in no matter what like yep. whatever it is like whoever's the majority they're all in and you know they're just going to push their agenda as well. So all the little times they had the people on the TV, I was just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we end with Scarlet <laughs> sitting at her desk after Luke leaves the office to go on a cell phone call. <laughs> and you might think plays again. <laughs> and we're left to know that the man, uh, the the man that we know, <laughs> the man that we know is the former majority whip, has a woman who he is very close to, who he has an affair with, is now controlled by the bugs. Oh yeah. But we're also left to wonder whether or not Luke himself is controlled. What was your thought? Because I was a little, I was on the fence. Yeah, I don't think at this point Luke is controlled. But I do believe that whatever the bug's agenda is, 
it may be aligning with Luke's agenda, so that's why he's not being controlled yet. Is okay. so far he has not wavered from whatever their point is, is what I could tell. Because he seems to have all of his ducks in a row and faculties and everything. So interesting. The yeah. only thing that caught me off guard is when he said that he was really motivated, mm-hmm. and that scared me a little mm-hmm. bit. Knowing how these bugs have been working the entire time, it got Red Weedus off of alcohol. <laughs> oh yeah. It got him to. Uh, to actually change the tide in Washington and flip a senator to become a Republican. So when he said he was motivated, that worried me a little bit. Yeah, that's true, because everybody, you know, is very, uh, other than we didn't really see Randall being so much, uh, you know, motivated, but we didn't see that much of him. But yeah, as you say with Red, he was uh, super on it after these bugs invaded him, Mm -hmm. you know, very task-oriented. So that could be Luke, but it's also, that was Luke in the beginning, so. True. You know, that's why I was like, he's not really acting any different yet, but who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think about how high is this going to go within Washington? Because we have to assume, we've already got the majority, uh, well, he's not, I don't know what rank Red is within uh, the Republican elite, but he, a high-ranking Republican member mm-hmm. who is now under control of these uh, of these aliens, and you have to assume that this is only going to get higher. We could get the president involved. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> you, have, you have to think. But at what point in time is it going to is it going to throw the nation in a com- in complete disarray? And that's what we have to that's what we have to wonder is just what is what is going to happen moving forward. So, a lot to look forward to with that. Who who is your favorite character so far in this in this initial episode of the series? What did you think? I'll admit I do like Gareth. Yeah. Mm. He he's uh yeah. he's got some swag. Yeah. But he's uh he's very he's very sweet, tender. He showed a little bit of interest in Laurel's documentary. Yeah. Uh joke a little bit, but uh he did show a little bit of uh a little bit of interest in that. Yeah, and also with the autistic sister, we mm-hmm. have a good reason for why he's pushing that agenda like his uh, reasons make sense. This guy has a purpose, and it's so far an altruistic purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't seem to be playing the game dirty like some of these other people. Of course, he knows he has to play the game to get this, but it's a matter of I want to help my sister, not mm, I just want to screw everybody over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really, I I really like Laurel. Mm-hmm. I like what she brings to the table. I think that we have. Uh, I think her character arc is going to shift a lot throughout this first season because we see her in a place where she's just getting used to things, and I can't wait until she actually knows how to work the game. And she's going to be our crime solver. She's going to be our oh, yeah. Nancy Drew in this series, and that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think that Laurel and Gareth will be more working more together since they both seem to be really focused on what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And I think this is sort of, again, about the two parties coming together. Mm-hmm. And that's really how you're going to get stuff solved. You're not going to get it solved by being apart. No. I foresee a moment where we fear that mm-hmm. Gareth has been turned by the aliens only to find out that he wasn't the entire time. I look forward mm-hmm. to that moment. It's going to be it's going to be scary because he's going to be one of those characters that we look forward to in the show. But we have to assume Laurel's never going to get taken. I would hope. Oh yeah. Um, her father would be interesting. That would yeah, be, that's true. That'd be scary. Uh, 
played by Zach Renier. He was guest starring uh, in this pilot. Um, so overall thoughts moving forward, what is your what is your big prediction for how you think this this season might go? How high do you <laughs> think these these bugs go before the end of the season? <laughs> To me, it's, it, it would be a shame not to have our president, you know, whoever they want to have it be in the show, or, you know, I'm sure it'll be some fake president, but I want to see that. Like, and I want to see him do it like sort of a state of a union, like oh, big God. press conference, like, you know, yeah. board. and that's what everybody's seeing because, and as well as some protesters and stuff like that, that we have so much going on. It's just like, we've got to have big groups like outside of Washington show it across the nation, not just focus too much on DC. I like that a lot. And I can see somebody like red Mm -hmm. maybe make a play for the presidency for all we know. (laughs) And you have to assume that Luke, who is a newcomer, a young guy within the Washington elite, you would think that he would be a member of the democratic party who might make a higher jump. And that we do also have to have to look forward to. Laurel also seems like one of those people who, once she gets used to it, once she figures out her place, she could do pretty well. And I think she might even have some political aspirations down the line. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think she has it in her? I think so, because, I mean, there's a reason sometimes why you're put in a position, is because that's what you're meant to do. And, you know, I feel like her character actually wanting to help these constituents and stuff like that will make her realize that she can actually do some good here. You know, it's not just all politics. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we had uh, an excellent initial episode. I think there's a lot to look forward to moving forward. Again, we've got 12 more episodes. We're going to be here... Every Monday night, you can watch us live on the YouTube stream. If you can't catch us live, we're on SoundCloud, iTunes. You can find us on YouTube as well. I am Kevin Ellis. You can find me at KevinEllis25 on Instagram or the Kevin Ellis on Twitter. Lucretia? And, of course, you guys can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the Internet since there is only one. And thank you for joining us, those of you in our chat room. Thank you to Kenzie. Thank you to Dasha. We appreciate you being there for us. Again, I am Kevin Ellis, Lucretia Lyon. We will see you next week for Season 1, Episode 2 of Brain Dead. See you later. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.